This question is something that, that I've thought about quite a bit. Stuff that I always wondered. And that question is, where do, where do good ideas come from? Ever wish life had a... <clears throat> ever wish life had an undo... Ever wish life had an undo button? With over 30 years experience in the creative industry, Matt and Dylan spill their secrets and share their insights about business and design. All to try to save you an undo. This is the Command Z Show. Presented by Made by Things and Mingus Design. Dylan, what are you working on? Hi, Matt. Hi. I'm working on some stuff for a company called Sedgwick. And similar to the stuff I worked on last week. And it's uh, a little mix of stuff, some user interface. And also, I'm doing a Procreate video output, meaning I'm mm. drawing something in Procreate and then outputting the video. And they're plugging that. 1080p video into a bigger video for a special occasion that they're working on. So that's been fun. Nice. You love your Procreate. You um, I do love my Procreate. Mm. You've been like the grandmaster of Procreate over the last like three years, and uh, I I've finally been inspired enough by you to to get an iPad Pro a couple months back. Awesome. It's a game changer, man. It really is. It is. We could we could derail and talk about Procreate. <laughs> And talk about it from a small business standpoint. Yeah. We're not going to do that today. <laughs> but it's a great conversation that I love having with people because I love that team. Yeah. Okay. I just have to go ahead and say here, you know, if I'm going to say those kind of things about Procreate, we're going to talk about Lion's Cub cookies. We need a sponsor <laughs> here. Am I right? We, we do. Oh, my God. <laughs> we should. We don't. Money's cool, but gifts and cookies subscriptions <laughs> those are the yeah. things that we're after you know <laughs> anyway um where are we at where are we at on things uh what what am i working on sure what are you working on thanks dylan thanks for asking um you're, you're welcome I, <laughs> I am you know today is uh is a backup the drives kind of day um qsadtrombone.com what'd you say that's qsadtrombone.com what's that womp, womp, womp. Oh. Yeah, pretty much. But I don't know. I, I like to start. So basically, I, I back up on these two terabyte hard drives, right? We use Dropbox as a team, and I just pull stuff out of Dropbox, back it up. And it's always scary to me whenever we start to get like pretty high up there because I'm like, oh, man. I mean, some of the projects that we have are enormous. Like we could we could probably be at almost a terabyte for some of the projects that we're working on. And some of them are like maybe one gig. So it's like it's so difficult to predict kind of what space we need. So from a data management perspective, today is the day where I make sure that we're not going to run out of data. And I just back stuff up. That's that's what I'm doing today. <laughs> I, I shouldn't poo-poo that because uh, I had a friend recently had a hard drive tank and he lost a ton of work, years of work. And uh, love this guy. He's a friend. But I have to say, I was listening to his description of what happened and, and thinking, brother, you are not a junior designer in this business. And what are you doing not backing this stuff up yep. for years? So, yeah, you know the old saying, it's not it's not uh, if a hard drive will fail, but when it will fail. For sure. Now, we, I, I have a, uh, a, a fear 
right? I have a very unhealthy fear of losing data. So whenever I do backup, we back up to two locations. Um, well, back up to two drives, and then I separate them into two different locations. And then um, we also have it backed up still kind of on Dropbox for the most part. But Dude, that is a question for an episode. Yeah. <laughs> and we're <laughs> and not going to ask it today, but the question is, what happens if you lose all of your work? That's Ooh. a good question. All right, that let's move on. Question. Yeah. Anyway, all right. All right so uh, I have a question for you um, this week, Dylan. Uh, this question is something that that I've thought about quite a bit. Um, you know, ever since uh, a student in a uh, animation program, stuff that uh, actually even before that, something that like maybe when I was in middle school, high school, stuff that I always wondered. And that question is, where do where do good ideas come from? Great yeah. question. Definitely something you could unpack for more than one podcast. But as you guys know that are listening to us, we try to do this in about 30 to 40 minutes. We usually end up around 40 minutes. So let's get into it. If you've hung around me for any length of time, you know that one of my ways to get inspired to come up with good ideas is to travel. I'm a huge proponent of travel. And that includes local travel, if that's all you got. Moving around in your neighborhood, doing it on foot or on bicycle is a great way to slow yourself down and observe and taste and smell and see stuff. Learn new things, textures, all that stuff. Take a camera, maybe not. But I'm also a huge fan of going to really foreign, strange places, uh, putting yourself at some level of risk, calculated risk, if you will, and uh, learning new things that way. Because it's a, it's a great way to learn new stuff, especially when you're immersed in what might feel uncomfortable. Um, you pay a lot more attention to things around you when you have to versus being in the comfort of your local environment. But both things can be really useful. So that's my immediate reaction to where do good ideas come from is to put that in a different context or different way of saying it is good ideas come from your ability to do two things. The first thing is to observe, to pay attention to what's happening around you. And that is a long thing to unpack, but part of being a good observer is, I think, having empathy. First, just literally being a good observer, and that is slowing down and paying attention and not only just taking in the data around you, but also asking yourself why that thing is the way it is. Um, um, why did they build this thing this way? Or w what what causes that thing to deteriorate the way it does, a material, if you will? Or Again, I can go on and on and on. But um, So being a good observer, having empathy for uh, the humans that you meet along the way when you're traveling locally or, or abroad, those are... Um, key things, I think, to taking in the information that you have. I think another component to being a good observer, absorbing ideas, is not trying to analyze too quickly. So in a sense, you know, you are, you are analyzing what you're looking at and you're, you're taking these things in. And yet, um, you know, sometimes it's good to just catalog the information. Maybe put a different way, just enjoy where you are. Don't try to feel like you have to 
uh, conquer it or, or control it, but just just be in that place. And it sounds kind of, you know, kumbaya, metaphysical, whatever, but I mean it. Just be there and ask yourself, you know, the who, what, why, when, where. What, is this, what does this place feel like? What does it sound like, look like, smell like, taste like? So I do that, and I could promise you it, it, it's worked for me over the long haul because what happens as that kind of an observer, a curious personality, if you will, uh, one who is uh, like to, like me, an overgrown child in the sense where I'm, I'm just, I am kind of full of wonder and awe a lot of the time, uh, which is a choice. But what happens over the long haul and where that comes back to good ideas is that stuff, if you're willing to go out and explore and dig and observe and taste and smell and see and all that, those things stay in your crawl space. If your brain's working right, it sticks around. And it's a catalog that you will draw from again and again and again. And so to kind of summarize my answer of how I put that stuff into place and make good ideas, some bad ideas too, but some good ideas, is when you're drawing from that bucket that you've been collecting into for all these years, one of the practices I'll do with all that information is say, as I look at a particular client problem that I'm trying to solve and I'm you know, getting all that formulaic commercial design stuff in place, I start asking why or what if. I love, love, love the question, what if? What if this guy's, you know, draw on something that we just posted recently to the website, you know, what if this guy's uh, horse that he's been drawing, this two-headed horse, uh, looked like uh, something that was more of a modern sports car brand? Is that even appropriate? That was just a what if that I asked. Uh, And, uh, you know, when I did the rabbit thing for Sweet Carrot, I said, you know, okay, I've been tasked with doing the bathrooms for this restaurant. And that's not going to be fun. But what, what can I do? What can I do that will make this interesting? And thinking about a small space, I thought, what if these small bathrooms felt like a rabbit hole because the theme of the restaurant was rabbits? So what if I drew a rabbit hole environment? What does that look like? Well, what if I used like that old ant farm motif? we had as kids with the two pieces of glass and you fill it with sand and you put some ants in there and they dig little tunnels. What if I drew this thing to look like that only instead of ants, it was rabbits. You see where I'm going, but I keep going through that. What if, and then again, going back to all that travel and the observation, it's like the reason I could step into those jobs, especially the rabbit jobs, a great example, and just draw quickly, sketch it out for the client and then refine the drawings was because I've looked at things, I've observed stuff for so long and drawn stuff for so long that I've, you know, pulled from my crawl space that when I had to draw a rabbit sitting in a lounge chair reading a map with, you know, a lamp of a certain style around it, I don't have to go to Google to get it. I just, it's up here because I've been looking at this crap for so long. I'm like, ah, it's a catalog. Wee, let's go. And that's fun because you just get to move and, and, and flex and create and you're not, you're not tied down to things like Google because you've been there and you've looked at it. Anyway, I'm babbling on, but this is a great question. I'll stop <laughs> no, there. No, <laughs> I, I loved being a spectator for that. Um, I knew that you'd have a very passionate response to that. I mean, knowing <laughs> just your general past and uh, a lot of things that you like to talk about. And that's why I wanted to kind of bring this up. 
I guess the, the place that I, I want to go now, and you kind of touched on a little bit, that sometimes these ideas that you have are not good. Mm-hmm. How do you... D- this is a super difficult question. <laughs> Get <Nope>. ready. <laughs> I don't know if it's... I don't think so. Go ahead. How I'm do ready. you de- How do you determine if an idea is good or bad? Yeah. So actually, it's not a hard question. Um, it's a hard thing to do, but it's not yeah. a hard question to answer. So going back to what I said about three minutes ago, when we, when I consider what I'm doing for a living, I am not a fine artist and God bless fine artists. I make fine art sometimes for fun. There's the key phrase. I make fine art for fun or to make a certain statement about a thing because I want to make it. That's not the business that I'm in. My business is solving problems for clients. And so I can unload a bunch of wild stuff that's, you know, loose drawings from my bucket of stuff up in my brain and say, look at all these ideas. But before I present that to the client, my responsibility to them, especially if I'm spending it like it's my money, which is a great little piece of advice that my buddy Brian Peterson said to me years ago when I was doing screen printing. If I'm serving my client appropriately, my responsibility is to say, okay, I got a bunch of stuff here. But what I have to do at that point before I present it to them is say, let's go back to the expectations we set up about this project. What's the creative brief? What are we trying to, who are we talking to? What are we trying to say to them? What's the tone of this thing? All that stuff is important. And I got to pull from that bucket too. And so I'm going to look at my ideas and say, which of these ideas, if any of them, maybe none of them, will work with those parameters in place or start to work at least as far as a rough idea. Um, That's critical because if I'm just, throwing stuff out there and saying, look, man, I think this is cool. I'm wasting their time and money because the reality of that is I may, it may stroke my ego, may make them feel good. Maybe it might even be something that's super funny. It might even be a great idea in terms of an idea, but it's not going to resonate with the people that they're trying to reach on the other side of this conversation. And that is our responsibility as designers is to solve those problems, communicate effectively with ideas that are, are targeted to those objectives. Right. So what do you, well, here's what I see. Whenever, whenever you start posting a bunch of your work, um, I see somebody that, to me anyway, seems fearless. Somebody that doesn't really care as much about other people's opinions on said work. Am I reading that wrong or is that is oh, that true? you know, to be transparent, man, I'm I'm like anybody else, Matt. I mean, I I struggle with wanting to be liked and all that stupid. Not stupid. It's just it's 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 just real human stuff, you know. I want you to like me, and I want to be funny and blah 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 and all those little things that we do, you know. Quick tangent, you know. I think I think a lot the older I get about how much money and time and energy we burn on clothes and cars and even the art that we make and the design that we do, all in the pursuit of, of uh, wanting someone to say, you're cool, and even more deeply, you matter. And even one mm-hmm. more level more deeply is, I love you. Man, do we burn up some stuff trying to get there. It's crazy. So anyway, I'm guilty of uh, sometimes making things because, like Nick Fancher talks about, you know, I, was, I make stuff for the likes uh, but back to your point, if I look like I'm fearless, man, I, it's it's nice to hear that that's working because there is a part of me that says, I just want to draw this thing. I just want to draw this, like I did a post on Instagram, um, I think it was a year or two ago, where this woman is is 
pulling her phone away from her face, but her but the phone and the, and her face are connected like rubber because she just can't stop being connected to that stupid device. Um, you know, it's uh, so. I don't I don't do drawings like that and think, well, I wonder how this will be received. I could give two rips how it's going to be received. I just really feel passionate about the subject and I'm going to draw something and it's going to be really weird and I don't care. Right. So. So and I, I guess get, to put it differently, Matt, what I'm trying to say is when, sometimes when I want to communicate something and I think it's a good idea, um, I'm just going to go for it. And so there is, a, to be honest, there's a little bit of recklessness in that. But I'm also operating from a standpoint of I, I think this is a good idea based on things I've observed from other people, things I've drawn, the, the, the theme around this, the idea behind this. And I'm just going to go ahead and make it. And sometimes this is stuff I just, like, as I just described, things that are just out there, you know, for public consumption. And other times it's client stuff. So I will create, to, to go back to the commercial side of this, I will create ideas for clients that, one, measure up to the communications that we're trying to meet, um, the communication objectives. And yet sometimes, again, let me go back to the rabbit thing for Sweet Carrot. That was a pretty out there idea. And there was some stuff in that, in those drawings that was a little dark. I think I've talked about this before. I know you and I have talked about it at some point, but uh, I still drew it because I thought it was funny and I thought it was like good dark humor. And yet I had to get that in front of the client and say, are you okay with this? And she said, yeah, we're not Disney. It's okay. I love it. And I thought, this is really dark humor. Like one, I think I, like, let me just describe it. One of the things in the, in the, on the wall was a school, school rabbits, like school children rabbits, if you will. And they were in this classroom learning about art. But a, a rabbit hole connected to that rabbit hole was, above them, was a rabbit taking a bath inside a rabbit hole, a little hole. So anyway, there's a plug keeping the water from rushing into the classroom. That's the drawing. But what I added, which was already kind of like, okay, if you put that together, you're like, oh, that's kind of strange. <laughs> but I drew a little little baby rabbit walking over to the plug like he's going to pull it, which is really <laughs> dark, man. It's a bathroom for crying out loud. It's not some, you know, DC comic. Anyway, that's what I was very clearly putting in front of her and saying, are you okay with this? She goes, oh, yeah, it's great. It's fine. So yeah. weird, yeah, but, um, you know, nobody got sued. Nobody put an X over it. So what about you? What's the question? <laughs> where, where, do, where do good ideas come from for you? Where do you, where do you go? I, I mean, like I said, this is something that I've thought about for a really long time now. Because, you know, you, especially you look on places like Instagram or Pinterest, and you're like, oh, my God, that's so clever. Like, how would they have even come up with that? And... To me, I think that to me, that's that's the reaction that I always want to get from people. I want people to say like, oh, that's clever. Like to me, that's much more rewarding than like, oh, that's like super kick ass. Like I just huh. I don't know. It's it's just a weird response that I want from people. I guess it's I want them to see the brain behind what was created. Right. OK, so to clarify that you you want them to see that it's smart. Yeah. OK, but. I guess, I mean, that's really vague on what, what is to be considered smart. But to me, that's, that's the stuff that I like more. So it, it is like, you know, how do we drill deeper into different concepts? And, um, 
like so much of the stuff that we make uh, made by things is there's so much symbolism that most people wouldn't even pick up on but for us it's like me specifically it's like okay like oh you know we saw this rabbit early on and then it makes an appearance at the end when everything in their lives is just completely different now like it's just really subtle stuff and like okay let's change that color from here because that mood is this at this point and let's change Mm. it to this so like I think about all of these different things and we try to like put all of these kind of ideas in place, most of which people don't know, but whenever people do, they're like, Oh, that's really smart. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's the response that I want. But anyway, so can in, I, can I, per- let, yeah, me, go ahead. let me just ask, or maybe just make a point there. What, what I love about that is you're really paying attention to the details there. And you're also saying some people are going to miss it and that's okay. Yeah. I don't, I'm not trying to slam people over the head with every detail that I'm making. Uh, I, I just wanted to, st- I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I no. love that point. I, 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 and I love it because, one, I share you know, the same idea. And I would challenge people, designers who are listening, to, to think about that. How can I bring details, into, conceptual details into this, like you described, Matt? How can color be a specific decision in the story here, knowing the color theory uh, and how it works? So um, I, I just think it's great that you're, you're thinking through those kind of things. Thanks. Um, so I guess in this, in this kind of world of trying to figure out where good ideas come from, like reading several books to try to understand creativity as a whole, um, honestly, it kind of led me to the first Making Midwest, which was like, you know what? I believe that good ideas come from connection points. I mean, you kind of said something similar earlier, but I, I think of it very much as like a mind map, right? So where our brain is in the center and the things that we think about kind of branch out from there. And I think most people think in a more analogous kind of way. So they'll think about like tree, branch, squirrel. Um, instead, what I what I like to do is is think about things like, okay, tree, and then what's on the other side of that mind map? And it's like a Petri dish. Like, you know, it's like something that's completely unrelated. And that's where I think good ideas come from is, is connecting unlike things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and maybe that's just kind of creativity in general. But for me, that's where I'm like, I think that's where, where those things come from. And it, to me, good ideas come from like you said, experiences, conversations. Um, I, I try to treat those things as if they are new connection points. So like you said, we, you know, going on a vacation, whether it's, you know, just an hour or two down the road or whether it's across the country or on the other side of the world, once you experience those things, those connection points are with you forever. Like I, you know, the experience that I had moving to Los Angeles and places that, me and my wife would go eat dinner at um, the parks that we used to walk through, like stuff like that. Like that stuff is still there. It's something that is always thought about. Yep. So to me, like that's, that's why I love those new experiences. Cause it's like, Oh, I just, I added a new connection point to my mind map. Basically. That's a great way to put it. I added a new connection point to my mind map. See, I want to start <laughs> drawing as soon as I hear that. Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I think that, 
I think everyone has those those connection points in some way, but just some people fail to sort of connect them. And I, that's why I ask you about just kind of the courage that it takes to be able to put unlike things together, because it's weird. It, it can be a very childish thing to do. Mm. And to me, I'm, so many of my, my ideas come from my kids. They have no idea. Mm. Um, but it's just, it's little stuff like the games that we play, the stories that they tell, where I'm like, wow, they just don't give a crap about anything. Like, <laughs> they'll just, you know, put a dragon in the middle of their story when it has no reason to be there. Yes, exactly. Um, their imaginations are just so thick and rich, you know, yep. and and, and uh, untainted. Um, I, I, I said this to somebody recently. When you look at kids' drawings, you realize that you cannot fake the magic in kids' drawings. Mm-hmm. And I was hired to do that years ago in pharma. I was paid, we got, had a job come in, and this guy said, let's make this calendar, client, I should say, big pharma client, you know, throwing money at it. Let's make a calendar and kids' drawings. Yep. And, and, I saw, and they wanted me to do the drawings. So long story short, I did it, and they sucked because <laughs> I was thinking too hard about the things that I was drawing. I was making yep. sure proportions were right. And, Dude, when you look at stuff kids draw, they don't give a crap about proportions. Mm-mm. They draw these crazy proportions and everything's just fantastic and nuts. And then they, like you said, they stick a dragon in the middle of this story that has nothing to do with dragons. You're like, what's a dragon for? And then they'll tell you, well, you know, da, 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 da. and you're like, oh my gosh, that's one of the best things I've heard all week, <laughs> you know, or longer. So yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, it's, it's absolutely talking about a place for good ideas. Gather some kids around, right? <laughs> Here's a little focus group. <laughs> so every you, can, you don't every, even have to pay them, and let, yeah. except in sugar. <laughs> every night, I I tell my kids a story. They'll, the older two, anyway. And um, most of the time, it's kind of a detective story. It's the Benny and Allie story. And I stop at certain moments, and they know. Like each one of them gets, we take turns. Like each one of them gets their own night to kind of mad lib into the story, basically. Oh, that's great. And. Um, it always starts off with the phone rings and then, okay. Then I ask them like, okay, who's on the phone? And then it's like, okay. And what are they missing? And then it's like, I'll start going into this weird story at some point or another. I'll pass it back to them and then they'll kind of continue it on and like turn it into something else entirely. I love it. Most of the time it's a rocket is missing. A moon is missing or my middle. He just, it always goes back to a cookie is missing. Duh. It's like, okay, well I have to think in my head, like to me, it's one of the, one of the best like creative exercises. Cause I'm like, okay, I know he's going to say cookies missing. How can I make this, this cookie missing story different than the one that I did yesterday? (laughs) And, so every single day, it's like something different. Like, oh, the queen is missing her magical cookie. And, oh, the oh, uh, uh, famous Amos lost his cookie recipe. <laughs> and it's like just that kind of stuff. So I don't, to me, it's a lot of it comes back to, to my kids. There, there was a, um, a project that we did for Root Insurance a couple of years back. Um, and it was supposed to be a really simple project. It was not supposed to be something that I turned it into, but like they wanted like a simple 2d motion graphics kind of thing. And I was thinking about it more and more. And I was like, I want to do something a little bit bigger with this, even though they're not asking for it, even though they're not paying for it. (laughs) I was like, I still just wanted, you know, they were paying for 
they, they paid, okay? Just not for the thing that I decided that I wanted to do instead. And it was because we kept talking about how simple everything was with their insurance. It, there wasn't all the complex. This is not a root insurance commercial, by the way. Um, they, you know, they, yeah, <laughs> they um, they just they wanted to communicate with people how simple it is. Like, okay, your insurance is based on how well you drive, kind of thing. So it's like it's not this crazy algorithm, whatever. So to me, I'm like, like thinking about that. Honestly, I was kind of scared at first because I was like, I don't understand how I'm gonna communicate this. Um, but I was, I brought out the blocks with my kids just little wooden blocks and we start just like building things and I was like I generally make cars with any of the things that I can build I don't know why I just ever since I was a kid I just I liked making cars and vehicles of some kind so I made a car and I was like pushing it around and I was like it really doesn't get much more simple than primitive shapes and building something kind of from scratch and I was like this is such a weird idea I'm like but I want to make a video that's 3d 3d shapes and we basically use those shapes to build things and kind of tell the story of how stupid simple their insurance is and i i I don't know again i thought it was a good idea and they apparently did too (laughs) because they're like yeah yeah that's great let's do that i'm like okay like this was probably the first time that i honestly i would consider that a personal project i mean to them it's it's not obviously but i i never realized before that i could make projects personal hmm. um with some of the ideas that i have but anyway um so yeah we we developed uh two 30 second commercials based on this concept of these blocks and basically i've been told at this point that i mean people still see these things all over youtube as paid ads um I'm not sure if they ever put them on Hulu or anything like that, but um, I don't know. It, it was just a really cool experience being able to learn something new about how I can handle ideas. Like, I guess before that, it was always like, okay, just give me your brand guidelines and let me look within the brand and see what kind of cool ideas come up. Mm. But at that moment, it was, everything was like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm just going to look at my own personal experiences and understand that anyone else given the same task would do it completely different. There is no one right answer for anything. And it was it was so freeing to me. But ever since then, every single project that we've done has some element where I can tell a story, a personal story about why something is the way it is. And I'd say, again, more often than not, it comes back to my kids and just some kind of idea they gave. But... I don't know, it, it's, it also comes back to when I was a kid and where ideas came from then, which was comic books, um, Animaniacs, <laughs> um, just the, the things that I consumed when I was a kid are still the things that I'm very much interested in as a 34-year-old. So some of those things you just described are actually pre- preconceived ideas. Mm-hmm. Which you know you don't get to steal from. Uh, you you know they say there's nothing new under the sun, right? King Solomon said that, and um, yeah. so we're just we're just repurposing in, in creative ways. Um, yeah. But another thing you touched on, I think, is really important to think about, and it's the idea of getting ideas from stories. And what you just said to unpack that for a second is you've got two types of stories that you can draw from 
and forgive me, but I'm always thinking in a commercial standpoint when I'm yeah. having these kind of conversations. Uh, but there's a there's a purity to stories, and again, two ways to break them out in terms of getting ideas from them. One is the re- the actual story, the actual story from your client sitting in front of you saying, tell me your story. There's so much genuine goodness in what they're going to describe to you if you can help them tell that story and draw it out of them, ask good questions, mm-hmm. listen hard, all that. And then, of course, the other one is what you talked about a few minutes ago is the idea of just made-up stories. Um, and you mentioned, you know, playing kind of a Mad Libs type thing with your kids. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you referenced that because we played it a lot as kids. And if folks don't know what Mad Libs are, just look it up. It's it's fun. It's old school. I'm sure there's a digital version, but we played the old school paper version. Janet and I still play Mad Libs. We still buy the paper versions and play them. And That's awesome. um, it still makes us laugh. But the idea behind Mad Libs is genius. You're you're giving somebody an exercise and all the exercise is, is to think up stuff to place in the blanks. And then when all those things are strung together in sentences, they become some type of a story, usually silly and stupid. That's the point. It's just fun. Yep. What's wrong with that? But uh, the fact that you're doing it with your kids makes me think we need to play Mad Libs with adults as a client exercise just for kicks. Yeah. I think that's a fun idea. Oh, wow. All right. Nobody steal that. Matt and I yep. own it. We just claimed it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but I guess, and you know, just to be super clear, I don't want to say like every project we do is 100% personal. It's it's sure trying to find ways to bring in those personal elements that we care about as individuals, as a team, but also kind of putting them, I don't know, weaving them into the client's story as well. Like you said, um, it's, it's trying to like understand all the parts of it and trying to come up with ideas that we care about, right? I think yeah. So the, the best work that we ever make will always come from ideas that we care about. I don't think it's really possible for us to just, for us as humans to just look at a brand and be like, okay, like, like I'm going to leave all my personal feelings and emotions out of this and I'm just going to make a thing. And then all of a sudden that thing is amazing. I don't think that that happens. Mm. I think that's the difference between just good work and great work potentially is that idea of a personal attachment in, in some way and just and finding a way to create something that has meaning to us as individuals. Again, not making it maybe the hero of the story, but at least to find some way to care about it ourselves, you know? Yeah, totally agree. I, uh, maybe to put that in a different way. For me, design is very much a science. Um, mm-hmm. Again, no offense to my fine art friends, including the stuff that I do. But when I make something that's I, I see as more in the fine art category, I don't care what the rules are. The rules being the rules that I've learned about design over the long haul, design and art. Because there are rules. And as I say often, you know, once you know the rules, you can break them. But you got to know the rules and practice the rules, and then you can do whatever you want. Um, the reality of what I just said is that rules are kind of still kind of underlying that stuff, right? So the brain is looking for where rules are broken. But anyway, tangent, squirrel. The point is, <laughs> uh, is that um, when we talk about doing these ideas, uh, there are rules in place. And I love the fact that there's structure there because you can bring that structure and the rationale back to your 
folks that you're serving and say, here's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. And it is a darn sure, awesome, guaranteed way of selling work through. Again, speaking very commercially here, but what you just said, Matt, is also critical to the best work that we do. There needs to be, just like any good story, universal principles there that anybody on the planet, no matter where you're from, can relate to. There needs to be Mm -hmm. something human and emotional built into that story, not just constructs and structures and rationale and, you know, proper proportions and golden ratio. Those (laughs) things are all absolutely valid. But without something that makes you feel something, hmm, it might, it might uh, feel a little cold. For sure. And that's, you know, I always tell people like we want to create stuff that makes people feel something. It's not always like really touching kind of sad moments. I do enjoy making people feel that way well that sounds just awful but (laughs) i like i like being able to affect people's emotions that's one of the i don't know most rewarding parts about what we do um but we can't possibly tell a story that's going to give people certain emotions if we don't feel them first ourselves while we are creating that thing yeah good point i mean there's i mean we've done some work that I, uh, a lot more personal. It brought tears to my eyes as we're making it. There are times where I had to step away for an hour or something like that because I was like, all right, this is a little bit heavy for me. Mm-hmm. The projects that I'm talking about are probably a lot more personal <laughs> than uh, most kind of client projects, but there's there's certain things that you make where you're like, wow, like I am, the feelings of this one are very heavy. And whenever that's the case, it's also exciting at the same time because it's like, oh, like I'm feeling this. I bet you somebody else is going to feel yeah. the same thing, you know? Absolutely. And I think that, I think it's something that's really underrated whenever it comes to storytelling and ideas in general is just how we feel whenever we are creating. And that's something that mm. I don't think, honestly, I've ever heard of anybody really talking about. But f- for me, and, and I think about that all the time, like, you know, whenever we kick off projects with, with our team, it's like, all right, it's not just, okay, so we're going to do some, some hand-drawn characters. It's like, no, I want to talk about the story because I want to try to make them, I want to make the team feel a certain way about like what we are making. It's like, you know what, this person right here, they've gone through a lot of crap in their lives and we want to try to tell this story of, you know, whenever they were getting picked on as a kid, this is a project that we're working on right now. Um, and you know, how it must have felt for them to be just kind of rejected from the closest people in their lives. Um, like, I, I want everyone to be able to to feel that, to, I don't know, to feel that pain or at least reflect on that pain as much as they can. Maybe they can, you know, each person on the team will probably reflect to a, a moment in their own lives where they're like, oh, you know what? I, kn- I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um Again, whatever that is. Again, this could even be humor, right? So I don't want to make it always just sound like more on the sad side, but um, it's just, I don't know. We we need to kind of personalize those feelings to us as we are creating to be able to give that feeling to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you just said about humor is really important too. But going back to the bully thing that you're working on, of course you want, of course you want to resonate with the person who's been bullied. But mm-hmm. I would argue the real success of that piece is to reach somebody who is the bully. And they are watching it going, 
dang, you know, that's tough. And yeah. realizing maybe I've, you know, I don't know. If you can get somebody to that point, it's huge success in my opinion. But back to the humor thing, I heard somebody say years ago that humor is one of the hardest things to do. And I, when you actually try to be funny, you realize it's pretty true. Humor is very sure. hard. So um, I, that's why we so admire watching people do stand-up comedy, especially yeah. when they're saying things about the most common life things around you that we all experience and and there's a fresh take on it in 2022 and you're like my gosh you know yep. janet and i are crying laughing falling off the couch at something that's incredibly simple but so well stated and so funny yeah um if you can hear the the kid in the background i apologize to everybody there is no way that i, I could ever record one of these without a kid either laughing or crying in the background that's so, good so full transparency, what Matt's doing is he has a, he's running a day, uh, day school, oh, um, yeah. uh, in his house. And what yep. he's really doing is mining these children for ideas. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's sad because this is the intervention that we're now having on our own podcast. Listen, Matt um, Bocek. <laughs> All right. It just, it reminded me of like minority report just with a bunch of kids. <laughs> wires um, little little wires stuck to their head yep playing with blocks being videotaped uh, i need more good ideas <laughs> root insurance call they want their idea now <laughs> all right i think we've pretty much uh yeah worked with this idea i did uh final thoughts dylan go ahead you go first just going back to where i started and asking people if you're listening still thank you for listening that uh go out and explore a little bit today even if it's just take a walk and I know that sounds like it's a dumb request, but take five minutes and go take a slow walk in those five minutes. And in that time, ask yourself, what haven't I seen in this immediate vicinity before? What haven't I looked at a little more carefully? That's it. That's the exercise. Five minutes. And I would hope that something gets stuck in your crawl space that you can draw from down the road somewhere, sometime. Nice. I would say to... Be brave with your ideas. Have courage. Make stuff that maybe you you haven't made before. Think about things that maybe you haven't thought about before and and create them. Execute those ideas. Don't let them just get stuck in your head, but to actually execute them. Whether, again, no matter how weird it, it might be, if it is just, you know, some ridiculous story of, how famous Amos lost his cookie recipe, you know, explore those ideas and, and don't be afraid about what other people might think about you <laughs> kind of creating this weird thing, even if it's not in the same style or whatever that you normally make, just getting weird with it. Right. Yep. I love it. Good All question, right. Matt. Thanks. Thanks. I, thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go now. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you too. Thanks, everyone. See ya. The Command Z Show is Matt Vojak and Dylan Mingus. Have a question you want us to discuss? Send us a message at cmdz.show. And while you're at it, we'd love a quick review on the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening. <laughs>